Podcast 41, Planned Obsolescence. Sponsored by my buddies at PantryParatus.com. They sell food preservation tools. Produce, prepare, preserve your own harvest. Hello, Jocelyn. <clears throat> All right, so we're playing the podcast game. Fun stuff. Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, uh, as as agreed, we have both watched the exact same movie. Ooh. We've synchronized our watches, and now we can talk about it. Wahaha. <laughs> It was Pyramids of Waste, a 2010 movie, also known as The Lightbulb Conspiracy. And, um, um, yeah, both of those titles are like, you know, okay, I, I think the, the big thing was, for me, the planned obsolescence, which still seems like too big of a word, but, um, you know, basically it's... it's uh, um, Companies make more money if they get their stuff to break early, which makes real good sense. And 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 we've known it for a long time. I'm sure everybody's known it for a long time. Uh, only this little movie does a, a particularly good job of um, making it really clear, so that way the uh, the folks that are doing this can't really hide. And it exposed some rather fascinating uh, bits and bobs. Um, on on how they go about doing it. I mean, one one way that I thought was was especially interesting was the whole idea that um, uh, they would do it within uh, they, they would co- compute within a printer how many pages have been printed, and after you hit the certain number, it just stops printing. Yeah. Well, before we get too far into what the movie was about, I do want to give a shout out for to a permaculture Facebook and Permies friend Eric Kimmett. And you and I met Eric Kimmett when we took a tour of the Bullock Brothers farm, and he's the one who posted this movie on his Facebook page, and that's how we found out about it. So, thanks Eric. <laughs> so, cool. so he must post it to his Facebook page, and then you then posted it out at Permies, right? Where where I saw it, and then I uh, took the exact same bit of information and I started a brand new thread, um, and uh, and I posted it out at Reddit, and and it it did really awesome out at Reddit, um, and. Uh, uh, and my phone's ringing. <laughs> I put mine on silent. <laughs> oh, so I I want to I want to tell my phone to to shut up. Uh, well, you brought up the printer, which I think is actually a lovely thing. Uh, I mean, I think printers are. And and a lot of the planned obsolescence has been accelerated with our electronic gadgets. And I think the printer is the icon of that. And it was such an icon of that that I loved the one part in in a different movie, the comedy office space. Did you ever see that, Paul? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. A long, long time ago. And so, you know, these disgruntled office workers the way they release their office stress and angst 
is to totally bash up the printer that never functioned right in the office. <laughs> and I just think, you know, I just really think that was brilliant of them to focus on this printer um, because peop- they have become disposable. The way they're manufactured and the, the price point they're at now, they're just it's it's horrible, but they've become disposable. The other thing I thought was absolutely brilliant that they did for this show is it's truly international. So the guy trying to figure out why his printer stopped working was in Barcelona. And then he does a Skype call with someone uh, in Australia or Britain or somewhere else on how to fix one part of it. And then he does another Internet thing with a Russian guy on how to fix another part of it. And 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 the film actually goes to many different people of many different languages and in many different countries and it gives you a wonderful sense that this is an international problem and not just American capitalists being stupid you know so it's 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 a global issue right brilliant right I I agree I agree. Um, uh, I, I thought another neat thing is that it told many different stories. So it's not like, oh, it's just this one industry. You right. know, um, these these industries are examples. Right. They're not, it's not saying it's limited to these examples. It's, it, you know, these, these are demonstrating the, the overall issue. Right. Um, and uh, I thought the and the printer one was really good because they, they started with it at the very beginning and it's like the last little bit that they did at the very end because it shows the guy struggling with it and and basically it starts off with uh, and so I'm just going to totally tell the story but it's of a course, spoiler yeah yeah it's a, it's a spoiler uh, he, he starts off with the idea that his, his printer stops printing and then he takes the printer in to get it fixed. And and he t- goes to three different shops. Each of the three different shops, they say the the exact same thing. They say, um, okay, you know, we'll charge you like you know, uh, you know, two hundred bucks to fix it, but for a hundred bucks, you can get a new printer. Right. You know, and and so um, uh, he's he then concludes that it's it's not worth it. He's going to try and figure it out. So he's like looking up all kinds of stuff on the internet to try and and figure it out. And at the very end of the movie, he finds out that there's this free software that he could download, and um, it goes into the printer's gobbledygook and says, "See that counter that you have that says that you've printed so many pages, so it's going to stop working? Just reset that counter to zero." Right. And then, boom, it works again. Right. So, um, so we kind of. You know, basically, the the thing is, they drug that story out for a while, and I I, I covered it in under a minute, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they interspersed it with other issues about the planned obsolescence, and they focused a lot on the light bulb and how there used to be a light bulb cartel. I mean, isn't that a funny word to use with a light bulb? You know. <laughs> A cartel? What? Right. I don't. I'm not even sure if I know what the word cartel means. Uh, I, you know, from movies or whatever, it's the drug cartels or something, and right. and right. they're supposed to be bad. Right. Well, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's all I know. Right. But uh, uh, and bef- but I think the important thing from the movie is is before there was the drug cartel, there was the open market. 
And um, and so basically, the, with the open market, what they did was, as they were saying, our bulbs last longer than the other guys. And so then they had gotten to the point where a light bulb would last 2,500 hours. And this is when light bulbs were really brand spanking new. I mean, and, and the cartel formed in like the 20s. Right, 1924, I think, 24 and, and so then basically what these guys did is they got together and they figured, and it's according to the movie, and I believe it, uh, the movie seemed to have everything pretty thoroughly documented. Um, and according to the movie, the, the, the light bulb guys got together and said, hey, you know what, if we all agree to stick to 1,000 hours, and so we make these bulbs fragile enough so that are 1,000 hours a pop, we're going to make more money because... People will just buy more light bulbs. The light bulbs won't last as long, and so we'll we'll sell more. And so um, they had to all agree, though, to keep their uh, bulbs crappy. And so uh, they they did. And and before they started telling us about that, they showed us about that light bulb. That's uh, I don't know, was it in Michigan or something? But somewhere um, there's a fire station. What? Mm-hmm. Do you know nope, where it is? Oh no, I forgot. Sorry. It was it was made in Ohio, I think they said. Well, the key is is there's a fire station, and they have a light bulb that's been burning since what two nineteen oh something or another. Nineteen oh one, and they in two thousand one they held a one hundredth birthday party for the light bulb in the fire station. Right, and. Uh, uh, you know, and they had a huge, uh, apparently far more people turned out for it than they expected and, and whatnot. But the amazing thing is, is that that light bulb has been burning continuously for over 100 years and it's still going. Right. And, and, um, uh. I love the comment where they said it had outlived two webcams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they got to, I, I imagine that you could probably go look it up right now and see it on the webcam, uh, and watch it still burning. Um, but uh, uh, the company that made it, what happened to the company that made it? Are they gone? Right. So what happened is there was this, uh, an inventor. I think he had a German name. It was manufactured in the, um, in the States, but it was this guy's special filament. He made an incredibly long-lasting filament because in an incandescent light bulb, it's the filament that gives out. And, uh, right. He made a special long-lasting filament, and it was a secret thing, and unfortunately it died with him. So no one knows how he made that long-lasting filament. And it doesn't sound like anybody's researching that either, with incandescence being banned. Right. Well, I suppose that when it burns out, um, when it finally dies, if it ever does, then... um, uh, it would be interesting to have the filament examined, you know, by some laboratory to find out what might have made it last so long. Right. Oh, now, you know, they, I found the website for this city. The city is Livermore. Um, I don't know what state, though. Uh, Livermore, California. Livermore, California. And the... Light bulb has celebrated 110 birthdays now. They have a <laughs> they have a website for it um, called centennialbulb.org, and I just think that's hilarious. 
so. Okay, you cut out a lot. I can barely hear you now. Uh oh, how'd that happen? I huh. don't know. Uh oh. So, uh, um, cent- all right. Centennialbulb.org for any, you know, history fact buffs out there. Be bopping right along. The, the, the point is, is that um, I, I think that when it comes to reduce, reuse, recycle, then um, I really like whoever it is that came up with reduce, reuse, recycle. I like the order that they're in. So basically it's saying that reuse is way better than recycle and reduce is way better than reuse. And basically what we're talking about is reduce. I mean, you know, the idea is is that rather than buying 100 light bulbs over a certain amount of time, maybe we only need to buy four. Right. You know, and, and when it comes to incandescent bulbs, I know that on my CFL article, I've got a link to a light bulb which claims to last uh, 20,000 hours, so 20 times longer than your standard incandescent. Um, well, and they, they said Warner Phillips uh, has developed an LED light bulb that will last 25 years um, in the movie. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know how that compares with ours. Right. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still a fan of the, uh, of the incandescent myself and I've written a big long article about that um, and I, I do not care for the fluorescence on on the LEDs um, I'm you know uh, I'm going to say the jury's still out on LEDs I mean they do contain a lot of circuitry inside of them and um, you know I like the idea that they will last longer but I also kind of feel like it is a bit of an un- unfair playing field in that um, the uh, the incandescent has been um, intentionally injured, and and so I'd like to um, you know compare. I, you know, it'd be great if they could take the incandescent and evolve the incandescent to be a. Uh, you know, so they've got these incandescent bulbs that last 20,000 hours. It'd be great if they could take an incandescent and they will have optimized it so that it's actually you know more efficient. And and longer lasting, and then compare that to the LED as opposed to this thing that's been designed to be very disposable, um, and and you know thus requiring people to buy more and more and more of them. Uh, I so like you know take that twenty thousand hour bulb and, and compare it to the LED, but then you know also factor in the fact that the LED is you know loaded with a lot of electronic gobbledygook that isn't particularly good um and and you know um i i like the idea too of of uh you know if we're going to factor this in let's also factor in the whole concept of uh how much money does it save you if you actually turn off your damn lights because right. uh, it is it's kind of bizarre that you know um what is it's like 25 to 30 percent of uh what american homes spend on electricity is for lighting that's that's insane that you know i I, it's it's like uh and and i've been to some of these places where they will light up 20 30 light bulbs and they leave them on um for huge spans of time it's it's just uh excessive so um I, I that having an incandescent light bulb and not having it on so much is far more efficient than having 30 light bulbs on 24 hours a day. 
Right. And the, and the movie didn't address a lot of that. The movie was highlighting examples of planned obsolescence and, and just trying to highlight that, you know, this has been happening since the 20s and it's continuing to happen and and it's and here are some different examples of it so they didn't when they brought up all their light bulb examples they didn't once mention uh fluorescent at all they just gave kind of a passing mention to the led and they had this one guy a french guy serge latouche who i guess is known for a degrowth uh, movement or an anti-growth movement, and he did talk about a little bit more of what you're talking about, Paul, with with all the circuitry and the LEDs, and then of course we have the mercury and the fluorescence, and then plus how you use the fluorescence shortens their lifespan. And so this guy, this Latouche, mentioned um, all of the other embedded en- energy and products and how we don't always pay the full price and then there's transportation issues. He kind of mentioned some of that as as the movie went along. Yeah, I didn't um <clears throat> I, I didn't like that guy much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I I'm first of all, his position is anti-growth. And it's kind of like, well, dude, can you be for something instead of being against something? How about how about being for stuff that lasts? You know, um, and and maybe we need to come up with. Uh, I think it'd be great to come up with some sort of word or expression or phrase that that uh, basically says, you know, stuff that lasts. And um, I mean, anti-growth. That that just sounds wrong. Right. You know, like, I want you to stop growing. I'm sure that's not what he really wants. What he really wants is stop screwing us with your shenanigans. You know, I mean, the the idea of this conspiracy to get more money out of me and to force me to go to the store more often pisses me off. I'm against that. Well... Um, I think what he what he's trying to call attention to is a very complex financial model and economic model that most of Western civilization is based on, you know, and it's part of, um, you know, stuff that we're not going to get into here and that I'm not educated well enough to get into. But it's, you know, about how the the mortgage crisis, the financial crisis, and how the only way, the way we built our economy, the only way the style of economy we have can keep going is with growth, 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 growth. So we're we're loaning money into existence. Um, and so he so he's against that. And 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 I I'm with you. I I would much rather he frame it in a positive way. Though some of the things he talked about sounded like the older voluntary simplicity movements of well if we're you know if we're buying things that last and we're buying less we don't have to work as much and then we have more time for friends family and learning things um and so he was for some good things in the midst of his really activism against our current economies he really you know, it was very clear he did not like economists, so that was pretty, pretty interesting. So I, I, um, 
I like the idea of right. You know. It, we have more money um, uh, to ourselves, or we have more time, or we have, you know, basically less of it's going to these rich folks, or, you know, it's not even so much that, but it, it, it's, it is into the economy. And, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on, on what I believe you're saying, which is, like, don't really want to go there. Um, so let's not go there. Um, <laughs> even though I, 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 I think that... Um, uh, I mean, there's a lot of other things we could talk about that are going to emphasize, you know, frugality or, um, you know, and, and by the way, we've got a new forum out at permies.com, frugality, the frugality forum, um, and which has been a huge hit already. Um, somebody suggested it over a year ago, and uh, I don't know, we had a conversation about it. I don't know if I put the kibosh on it back then or we just forgot about it or what but um uh it's now up and running and and of course there's the the thread about this is there um people are really enjoying this thread i I mean if we look at the movie again about the other planned obsolescence items and some of the issues with changing that i mean they talked about when nylon was brand new it was such a revolution they showed um uh some truck pulling a car where they just knotted together nylon pantyhose to pull a car with nylon. That's how strong the nylons were. But then they were asked to go back and make them weaker because they were lasting too long and they couldn't sell enough. So, I mean, that was like the light bulb. Um, There was some movie in the 50s or something where they did kind of a fantasy about someone creating a completely indelible thread and the guy you know the way they portrayed it in the movie is that this guy was um about to be you know attacked by all the workers who were going to lose their jobs and then there was that other guy in the 50s who really wanted it to be a law was it the 50s no it was the uh in the depression uh, he wanted it to be a law that we had planned obsolescence in every industry just so that we could have more, uh, increase the economy and have more workers and more jobs. Oh, boy. Well, hey, um, maybe the strategy is is that um, as permaculture folk, then we're going to have this great big advantage while all the rest of the world continues to um, be signed up for the planned obsolescence program. And um, I would like to think that part of uh, the permaculture package is to not play that game. Just like there's a lot of things that are wonky that we opt out of. Right. Um, and and so it seems like a good fit. Um, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean frugality. Um, I think it, what it really means is, I don't know, just being smart. I mean, so uh, I've I have uh, done podcasts recently about my recent adventures with uh, a laptop, and I've whined about it extensively uh, on the forums. And I like the idea of rather than buying one of these laptops, which basically has a shelf life or a, a you know a lifespan of one or two years, I like the idea of getting one that has a lifespan of five to ten years. 
and uh, um, and I, I believe I've done that. You know, and of course I won't know for sure until it's until it dies or five years have passed. Um, but uh, I think that that this is the way to go. You 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 find uh, Patagonia, the company right. that makes those uh, those clothes, which they don't make in the sizes for giant people. Um, uh, their whole mission is is like you know what we're going to cause a certain amount of pollution to make clothes that it just cannot be helped. But if we make it so that the clothes will last 20 times longer than their clothes, then in theory you buy 20 times less clothes. So um, uh, they try to to put in this this super high level of quality into their stuff so that it will just last this crazy crazy long time. Right, and you mentioned that in this thread about this movie, about the movie we're talking about on the Frugality Forum, and John Polk um, replied and said he has a Patagonia pullover that he bought in 1979, and he still wears it. Still going. Yep, I love it. So uh, I I like the idea. That 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 permacultures the the cast iron my whole cast iron article covers this rather than buying a new skillet every six months because the non-stick crap is peeled off um, instead you use cast iron and you you use one that will last more than your lifetime um, in fact uh, the 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 cast iron ware that I have is probably eighty to a hundred years old. Um, and I know you have cast iron. Yeah. That's you know probably just as old. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's you know it should it should go several hundred years more. We'll see. I, I have to tell you, I I thought of that when there was some uh, design instructor that went to the mall, bought a bunch of products, brought them back to his design students in the movie. And 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 a couple of the things he brought back were these pans, and he pulled these lightweight you know they seem like they must have been aluminum maybe they were steel but they were probably teflon coated he pulled out these little chintzy pans and the way he lifted them out you could tell there was no heft to them and they were part of the products he was asking his students okay how long do you think these products will last you know there was a plastic looking toaster there were shirts there were and um, because he knew his design students would be asked to design things for short term or for long term right, you're fading out there Jocelyn how's that happening is that I better? don't know yeah hmm. that's better okay I have to hold uh, my thing uh, so the, you hold your thing. You <laughs> that came that. out wrong. It's the <laughs> mic that hangs down from my goofy headset. So, um, but anyway, I just thought it was, you know, I thought of cast iron, and and they talked about this one designer who was really big about uh, and talked a lot about planned obsolescence, but his was more of, in the 50s and 60s, and more of a design or fashion kind of obsolescence. And and his son said, oh, well, people have the choice. They can choose to buy something new or not. And, um, you know, he claimed that his dad didn't make things so that they would wear out. He just liked the design process so much that he would make new designs of items. 
And I think that's another piece of it, and, and probably not one that affects permaculture folks as much as the general population, but I think we are subject to so much advertising that convinces people that, oh, you need the latest fashion or the something to look shiny new instead of something that's tried and true and holds its value and, and doesn't break down or wear out. Fashion magazines come to mind. But, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's the right of an American or anybody in the world to um, spend too much money on crap that uh, other people might not spend so much money on. And so I, I suppose that um, while there's a whole fashion industry out there and people are keen on spending their money there, more power to them. And I don't sign up for that package. Right. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I like the idea. Well, the important thing is, is that it does seem to me that when companies get together and they do these kinds of shenanigans such that I can't go out and buy a quality product that I want, then um, I think that that's wrong. I don't, I don't like that. I mean, I, I guess in a way, I, first I imagine that there's a law against it. There probably is. But I, I think what would be great is to be able to find out who's doing it and then say, I don't want in. I, I think it would be great if um, we became more aware of planned obsolescence and then be able to find out who's doing it. And then people could say, well, then I choose not to buy your product. Well, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how some of this plays out. And I'm I'm not going to make any pr- predictions um, because I think that's really awkward and nobody knows. Um, but there was a class action lawsuit against um, Apple and the iPod. They talked about that in the movie, how their battery was planned to just wear out and you had to buy a whole new iPod. Um, and so they won, and and Apple decided to um, make longer-lasting, agreed to make longer-lasting batteries in their iPods. But I, you know, I mean, we're we're in an economic crisis, and I think there are certain things that are contracting because they need to contract. Um, And yet, I don't know what's going to come out of that. It could be that our government requires more and more planned obsolescence to create jobs. Maybe they'll be turning to that. And hopefully, with more movies like this and more um, education in in a permaculture frame of reference, and they even talked about companies looking at cradle to cradle, you know, like they talked about that one upholsterer manufacturer that decided to do um, uh, environmentally friendly dyes instead of all their toxic dyes. You know, there are there are companies that are looking at the bigger picture, and I just think it'll be very interesting to see that we might shift to a society where people have, you know, um, fewer higher quality pieces of clothing instead of closets or walking closets of clothing and and it could be just a very very different uh way that we shift and and move i think i think some people already do that and i i applaud them and i'm trying to get more and more along that path where i have fewer 
more longer lasting and more sustainable things of any kind in my life. But I, 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 I just think it'll be interesting to see how much of society catches that wave. Well, they, they did mention something in the movie about a suit at some point where a oh. fella could buy a suit. And it would be the suit that he got married in, and it would be the suit that he was buried in. Right. And they were talking about how that that was the guy in the 50s or 60s, a designer, that said he thought that was bad. He thought there should be more of a planned obsolescence that was more based on design and fashion than, you know, and so the things were started started being created more for that, especially in the 50s and 60s. So I like the idea that um, at least I choose, and I'm, I'm sure you're signed up for the same package, choose to not be part of planned obsolescence. And am I right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean... I mean, it'd be ridiculous to say I wasn't. And I I think that's a tough question to ask people because I think there's, you know, you talk about your wheat and eco scale all the time. There's people at different levels and in different places in their life um, and in and in different places of awareness or denial, you know, Um it's kind of like I, I watched another movie um, earlier today that said, was talking about someone going from driving an SUV to a hybrid, and then they moved from driving a hybrid to riding a bicycle, and then pretty soon they moved from riding a bicycle to walking in recycled shoes. And, and, and while that was kind of an extreme example, I mean, think of what it would take for somebody to live somewhere where it was completely walkable. I mean, they'd have to, their work, their food, their any supplies or resources they need would all have to be in a very local micro economy. And we just don't have very many um, neighborhoods or cities like that. So, I, you know, besides people's own level of eco um, there's there's awareness and there's denial I think there's a lot of people who think they're really eco but they're just in denial well I think okay so first of all planned obsolescence not eco clearly creating more crap is you know with the intention of it being thrown away Right. That's that's not ego. That's that's not a good way to go. Um, right. So, uh, um, what was the thing? What was the point you just brought up? I've already forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked me. Well, you're not in for planned obsolescence, and I was like, well, of course not. So, I think if you ask that to anybody, uh, especially with so much um, greenwashing going on today, everybody would answer. Even a business. Every individual. Oh, I'm not for planned obsolescence. Oh. But then, but then, are they gonna are they gonna upgrade their cell phone every year? <laughs> you know. Well, and and so this is this, here's the next thing, and and that I want to I want to express. And this go, going back to the wheat and eco scale, there are a lot of people that are at eco level two, and and when they think of like what's the most eco thing in the world that you could possibly do. That's the stuff that's at eco level three. 
and they just don't know about stuff beyond that. They just they just cannot comprehend things beyond that. Or if or if they do, they think it's the crazy stuff, as you said. They think it's crazy, right? And so um, you when I try to present on Sepp Holzer stuff, um, it's it's so out there that most people can't fathom that it's it just seems like some guy has gone out and done a bunch of crazy stuff and he's off being crazy on his own more power to him good luck see you later um and they don't see how it can apply or how any of it might be a good idea or at least you know to say we ought to move closer to that they it doesn't make any sense to them you know it's an oil and water kind of a thing so uh, I, I think that um, recognizing that this exists and that we don't want that is a great step. And, and to talk about, um, I don't know, minimalism, at least be, I mean, I'm not saying everybody needs to go out there and do it. I, I, and I, in fact, I don't even really like the idea of telling anybody how to live their lives. I, I, I totally support people wanting to buy their lipstick and their new shoes every week or whatever it is that they want to buy. They, they should be able to do that. Um, I don't want to regulate that in any way. And um, at the same time, I believe I'm going to make certain choices that I believe are compatible with how I choose to live my life. And I like hanging out with people who make similar choices. And I'm not really interested in hanging out with the people that, that make this very consumer-based choice. And, and one of the things they pointed out in the movie was how a lot of people go shopping for um, a recreational kind of uh, mission. They enjoy doing it. And so, therefore, they could really enjoy the the idea that light bulbs don't last very long or whatever else, because then it gives them more opportunities to go shopping more. Yeah, I think it was Latouche that talked about that. I'm not sure, but and it was in and I think somewhere along those lines they said that we have 26 times 26 times more stuff than we had um decades ago. And and it and and because of the planned obsolescence, we have to replace that stuff more often, and and so it creates this time to go shopping, and and it's you know you would think you know that this money and this spending is supposed to make us happier, but the point is our happiness is decreasing, um, and our stress is increasing, and then people are shopping and spending and working more to support it, so that's a whole whole other side to it that I agree with you I'd much rather personally hang out with people who want to do interesting things not who want to shop um you know maybe they want to watch a documentary like gee how many documentaries have we watched lately or or they want to play a fun game or they want to learn about something or take a class together or you know um, grow something or make something. I mean, or get out and enjoy nature. I, and that, well, to me, is it brings happiness. And I think a lot of permies would um, are looking for the same thing. 
So I think that it's it's fair that these people can go out and buy mountains of crap and create lots of garbage and which in turn creates lots of pollution. I like the idea that it's like uh, that they can have the option, hey, do you want to buy this HP laptop, which will probably die in one to two years, or would you like to buy this other laptop, brand Spiffy, which, um, you know, is uh, which is an eco laptop, uh, which doesn't really mean anything, I guess, but uh, it's, it's against this planned obsolescence idea, and the laptop should last five to ten years. W- one of the things that they had in the movie, well, anyway, my, I should finish one point before going on to another one, and and then the idea is that then these people turn around and they end up consuming less crap, not because they've been regulated to in any way. But because they want to get the good stuff, they well, want to they want to buy the higher quality product, which will last longer. Even if they're going to go out and buy a new product, the next thing you know, I can get their used stuff on eBay, and it still lasts a hell of a long time. I have a, a excellent example along those lines. Um, I grew up in a family of four kids with a single mom. I had my best friend in the fifth grade was in a family of four kids with a single mom. And and their family really struggled financially, really struggled financially. And I remember my friend's mom buying these really plush, beautiful towels from a... Uh, downtown department store and I remember thinking oh my gosh how can they afford towels like that I remember thinking gee and um, you know because we never had towels like that at my house and my friend said to me oh well my mom is buying these because they're going to last longer you know if you buy the cheap ones they wear out or get threadbare and then you you know then they're rags and they're not towels for as long And that was my, you know, to me, that was one of my first examples of, um, you know, planned obsolescence or or true frugality. I mean, if you're spending $20 on one towel that'll last you 20 years instead of $10 on a towel that might last you five years, I mean, you're coming out. So, Jocelyn, you're fading in and out, in and out, in and out. Oh, that's bad, and that's like, uh, what makes the the that's what makes the podcast awful to listen to. I I'm talking right into the little mic that hangs down from this headset. I just think I have a bad headset. I'm gonna have to. Speaking of planned obsolescence, this is the cheap headset that came with my cell phone. It's not very good. Um, yeah, it, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's another example. Sorry about we'll, that. We'll, we'll get you set up with something better, and we'll just tolerate it for the rest of uh, this podcast episode. So, um, but I, but you know, now everybody gets to listen to me whining about it. <laughs> you do. You do. So, in the movie, they do make an interesting point where they are showing um, what was it, Ghana, some country, someplace yes. where um, apparently. Apparently, we uh, take all of our electronic 
electronic garbage, which we're supposed to recycle properly. And instead of recycling it properly, what we do is shove it into these big shipping containers, and label it as used electronics, ship it to Ghana, and then they, uh, I don't know, I guess they just leave them there in the shipping containers. And then eventually they end up in a big dump. And then children come out, and uh, they set a lot of it on fire to try and uh, burn off the plastic and then get the metal out, and then they take the metal in to be recycled. So effectively, it is recycled, but of course, children, I mean, it's like the the level of toxins that must be just oozing yeah. off of all of that must be tremendous. Well, in the mountains, I mean, in the video, it just shows mountains of this garbage, these trash mountains now from all the crap that we've shipped to them. And and the law was that we're, we're not allowed to ship them recyclable or re- re- stuff to recycle or stuff to dispose of. But the people who ship it there say it's secondhand computers, as if the stuff can really be used as computers. Right, to get around the law. The law is, yeah. is we're not allowed to ship our garbage over there, right. but we are allowed to ship used stuff over yeah. there. Yeah. And so this is really garbage. It, they said that something like uh, 80% of it is non-functioning. Oh, yeah. And and so then uh, it, it, it gets there in a non-functioning state, and it's just, it's just the electronic garbage, which is full of all kinds of toxic yick. Yeah. And so this comes back to where um, if, you have a, if you have electronic equipment, which is going to be designed to last 5, 10, 20, 40 years, then um, there's, a, there's a better chance it's not going to you know, end up there. And, uh, and, I, and I like the idea. In fact, you know what? I, I like the idea that the government should be responsible for making sure that planned obsolescence doesn't happen. It seems like that would be something the EPA might even be involved in. Um, even though the you know in a previous uh, podcast wasn't wasn't I saying that the EPA is responsible for colony collapse disorder? <laughs> so I imagine that they're probably not going to do anything about this. They they're probably big fans of uh, planned obsolescence. Uh, I have no idea. Um, well, it's it's unfortunate, but. So many branches of our government are decades behind on on where they should be with um, technology and environmental policy. It just takes forever to work past the lobbyists to make any real change in our government. So yeah, right. And they oftentimes play the opposite role of what they're being paid to do. Right. Um, and and so uh, it, it's it's kind of like uh, what's that guy that. Uh, oh man, my my brain just checked out. Um, Orwellian. It seems la- rather Orwellian. Um, but anyway, uh, um, I I think that uh, uh, looking at paths of using less. You know what's a good path of just simply using less that we've been talking about out at permies.com for several months now, and I've tried it. And that is that no soap, no shampoo thing. Oh, right. I mean, wow. Um, who who knew? I mean, I basically, I I was sure that if you um, 
stop, for example, if you stop using shampoo, your hair gets all greasy and oily and yucky and gross and smelly and stuff like that. So all of my life, up until about two months ago, I shampooed my hair every day. Because, uh, you know, usually um, if I didn't, the next day it would be all greasy and yucky and gross. But it turns out that if you just simply stop, I mean, I still shower every day, but then it's like I only, it's as if I only rinse. There's, I use no soap, no shampoo. So for two months now, uh, I'm, I'm perfectly clean and um, my, my hair seems fine. Um, even, it even seems better. Um, and and uh, uh, I've I've heard that when you get past uh, three months, then you know suddenly it your your hair takes on this amazing health, and it's you know I don't know it's it, I'm I'm looking forward to, to seeing how this experiment goes. But we've had a lot of people on permies in this thread saying that they're trying it and they are also having awesome success. Right, that I just looked at the frugality forum, and that thread, no shampoos slash soap, is already two pages long of conversations, 44 replies. So, yeah, lots of conversations there. I haven't gone that far yet, but I have, you know, two things, well, actually three or four things that I think save a ton of waste and save a ton of money and a ton of money. Time for women are no makeup, not shaving, um, not waxing or, you know, getting some of those other spa or beauty salon type treatments and not um, dyeing or perming your hair, you know. I... I just... I can't believe all the time and money... I've saved from not doing those things. And, you know, in some circles, I don't tell people that I don't shave because it really grosses some people out. Um, You know, but it's, again, that's a very, very cultural difference. And it's a difference um, for a lot of different women. And But, man, you save a ton of water, you know, a ton of, you know, you don't have to have razors. I mean, anyway. So I'm not I'm right. not it's, avoiding soap and shampoo yet. I haven't quite tried that yet um, because I'm working on some skin issues. But once, you know, that is something I'm looking forward to trying down the road. I yeah, and I I think it's something where you know a person's got to be in a space where they're open to trying it out. But uh, it it does end up being something that uh, one less thing to consume. And and I do I do I, I feel like permaculture. This is somehow tied in. I'm not sure exactly what the connection is between you know anti-consumerism and permaculture. Um, I imagine that it's somewhere. Boy, I, I, uh, is, it, is it one of the uh, the, the I don't, it's, it's certainly not one of the three ethics. Is it uh, one of the 12 principles somehow? Well, I, I'm not I, sure. I think it fits in with the three ethics. I think um, if you're really thinking about care of the earth, care of the people, and whatever you think the third ethic is, uh, I I think if you're looking at those, that's not a consumerist lifestyle. I mean, it just seems to me like a smart strategy. 
Yeah. It's just it's just smart. But you know, and the, and while I support people going off and uh, you know wearing all their makeup and and buying all their crap and and whatever else, um, I I think that and I don't want I don't want anybody to pass a law that says that they can't for the sake of the world. But I do object to where um, there seems to be things happening that prevent me from. Be living my life with, with less consumerism, you know. Uh, uh, for example, there are laws that say that you must maintain a certain kind of lawn, and um, uh, you know, well. or, or laws that say you have to buy these things, you have to buy car insurance. You and well, you know, that has a whole debate in itself. You, you know, and I, I actually agree with that. If you're going to drive a car, you do need to have the, the law insurance that's legally required. But now we're getting in this whole space of you have to buy health insurance, and I don't agree with that. And um, and, and that's a whole other big, you know, debate of politics and stuff that I want to get into. But it does seem to me like the, the, the responsibility of the government is to make it so that companies aren't pulling some kind of shenanigans to force me to part with more of my money for whatever reason, um, and and I don't and I and I can't help but think that laws do get passed so that way somehow more money gets pulled away from me, or that I'm required to buy more stuff or or whatever. Well, I, I've been pleasantly surprised at the municipalities and um, local, you know, local cities, local counties, local um, governments that are promoting more sustainability. A lot of times they're offering free classes on composting, free classes on gardening, free class, you know, and that's, I mean, if you're taking care of it, you're, you're, compostables yourself if you're growing your own food I mean that's a lot less consumerism right there and we do have local governments promoting that type of lifestyle so I I find that really encouraging and exciting I think um, what's what's weird is is you know when you go around people and they're they're a little surprised you may have you know, a faded shirt on instead of the latest fashion, and they're a little surprised you might not be doing all the makeup and and dyed hair and stuff, and they're not quite sure what you're about. You know, I think I think it's more the people to people things. You know, in 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 some instances, and for some people, especially if they're lower on the eco scale. I, I think that when these things, you know, in fact, as planned obsolescence becomes more known and we come up with a, a thing of saying this is not part of the planned obsolescence package, this is, this is a long lifespan product. This is designed to be a very long lifespan, lifespan product. Um, I would think that we're going to see um, more of the consumer people um, buying those long lifespan products because it's the best. That's what they do. They're going to buy the best. They want the best. And so then they'll go out and they'll get that. And then when they want to get the next one a year later because they're shopaholics, that's their thing, then they'll also, as part of their shopaholic behavior, they'll sell the old one on eBay. Or they'll sell it to somebody for really cheap who will then turn around and sell it for a reasonable price on eBay. 
And then because we will know that these are things that are designed to have a long lifespan, we'll buy them on eBay for half the price of whatever they're going for. So I, I think I, I like the idea of evolving into that space. Um, along these lines, uh, another idea that, that I've projected many times, um, but I've, I've yet to see it happen, uh, is the idea of, like, let's suppose that you live in a community where there are, you know, um, um, 20 people, 30 people, 40 people living in some little community, and you have a shed. And um, on the, let's say the left, the shed is divided into two parts, the left side and the right side. And, uh, and it's the free shed. And so whenever anybody's got anything that they don't want anymore, that seems like something that somebody else might want, they take it down to the free shed. And um, if they've got this thing, you know, one side of the free shed is the only side that's currently accepting stuff. When you go in, anything you see in the free shed is something that you can have. But the stuff, like, let's say today you go in, and if you're going to drop something off, you can only drop it off on the left side. And uh, and it's going to go a certain amount of time, and eventually the stuff on the right side, where you're not supposed to put stuff in, when the left side is full, whatever's left in the right side will then be thrown away. I I would like to think that this is going to greatly reduce uh, the amount of stuff that ends up in a landfill, and it's also going to um, greatly reduce consumerism. People are going to find free things that they, you know, want, and now they're not going to go out and buy something because they got it for nothing from a neighbor or whatever. Well, a lot of that happens already. You know, there's a lot of neighbors that will pass hand-me-down kids' clothes to their neighbor or their friends. There's um, a lot of people that will take that kind of stuff to thrift stores. I mean, what you're talking about is more within a community, and it all pretty much stays, you know, more within a tight-knit community, and it's not driven anywhere, you know, which is which is the ultimate but there's a there's a lot of that that happens between families and friends and church communities and other communities. There's a lot of absolutely. There's yeah. some of that going on right now, and I think I think that there would be ten times more of that going on right now if there were these free sheds, and and it's something that could be done periodically here and there, and it would be an eco thing to put up in some community somewhere to be able to make it so that. You know, I, I, in fact, I would think that, like in Missoula, for example, if there were at some place that was dump-esque or something, these free sheds that were set up, um, you know, people could uh, drive over or stop. What if, in fact, what if a business in Missoula uh, could have, you know, a, a, a free shed set up out in the parking lot? And then basically the, the, the bottom line is is that that might help to draw business to their business as people come to drop things off in the free shed or pick things up from the free shed. Right, right. That, that could be a business draw. And then you just have to manage the free shed, which would mean maybe once a week you got to go out and take stuff off of the, the one side and put it into the dumpster. It could be, you know, more effective than, than, you know, buying advertising. 
Possibly. He's got people coming around here. People are coming down to do it, so they're coming, you know, they're parking their car in the same parking lot where they would park to go to your store. And uh, and then plus on top of that, in the free shed, it could say sponsored by this business, which is just over there. <laughs> you know, the free shed is brought to you by, you know, and and something like that. What a what a massive eco thing! What a massive eco difference it could make. It would it could vastly reduce consumerism. Right. Because a lot of people. Rather than taking their stuff to the Goodwill, or rather than taking their stuff to wherever, uh, uh, or, or you know, exchanging it through their church group, or exchanging stuff through their neighbors, or whatever, they just throw it away. Yeah. And and that's another aspect of it too. Is like you do, you know, when I'm taking stuff to the Goodwill, they've said, okay, we'll take this, 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 and this, and the rest of it, you've got to, you know, we don't want. Uh-huh. And uh, and it's like if they if if they don't feel like they're going to make money on it, they don't want to mess with it. So I, I once stayed in a community where I set up something kind of like the free shed, and it got a lot of use. Right. right. So, And there were some people that are like, oh, this looks disgusting. You have to throw it all out. And it's like, you know, somehow I managed to get past that, and it just kept going and going and going, and people kept putting stuff in and taking stuff out, and it kept working. And, and uh, I, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was an, an excellent thing. And and otherwise, people would have just taken that exact same stuff and probably just pitched it. Anyway, so we're past an hour. Um, uh, anything else you want to add on this topic? No, I think um, I think we covered everything. Um, you know, the main key points about this movie and planned obsolescence and, and you know... We rambled a lot, even about some political things, which we try to avoid. Um, so I think we covered everything, and I'm I'm disappointed this microphone didn't work very well. That's all. So we'll we'll get you set up with something better. Yeah. And and something that will hopefully last. And, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, yeah, and I, I agree that this this turned out to be not one of our better. It didn't seem very permaculture e, but I do believe it was it was pretty important. I, I think that uh, I think one of our future podcasts we should probably you know, we haven't really gone into community very much, and that's that's a topic where I feel like I have a lot to say, and and I'd really like to be able to 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 do a podcast or two in that space. I think it's important. We've been talking about doing that for quite some time, and uh, yeah, we should. Yeah. All right, well, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about frugality, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. <laughs>